0: ask you a question um, how are we feeling um it's one of those uh, questions how are we how are we feeling how are we how are we doing um there's a few typical responses you might get to the that question you know when you see someone and you see them in the street or um you see them in church this morning someone says hi how are you doing how you feeling A few responses to that um and uh, well the, the the vast majority response is this. We we all do it, don't we? How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Are you? How are you feeling? You have probably done it this morning when someone said, "How are you doing? How are you feeling?" You've probably gone, "Yeah, great. How are you?" Oh, I'm doing fine. I mean, your world's falling apart, but you're doing fine. <laughs> like you've just come out of a house which felt like like anything but fine, but you're doing great. And um, but you, it's it's the kind of a typical response. There's a few reasons why I think we respond like that. Um, and maybe. Just, just from my experience, but I think maybe we don't want to bother people. Maybe actually um, we, uh, we just don't really want to bother with people. One of my f- um, f- kind of favorites is just to throw it straight back when I'm maybe I'm not feeling fine and I don't really want to be asked about it, if I'm honest, but someone says, how are you feeling? And I'm like, my tactic is to just throw it back at you. I'm great, thanks. How are you? I'm like, phew. They're not thinking about me. It's, now it's making it all about them. And that's easier because if you stay long enough and ask me how I'm really feeling, I might break down or something. But um, So we, we throw it back. Another one is maybe when we're asked how we're feeling, maybe we don't want to say how we're feeling because we feel um, ashamed of how we feel. Maybe if we, maybe if we actually were honest with someone um, and, and told them how we were feeling, we're just worried how that might go down we we might think that people have got an expectation of what we should be like so therefore um i'm just going to try and not share it so maybe we're worried um about that maybe when we're asked how we're feeling um we uh it's too painful so we just don't really want to talk about it because it's just it's not somewhere we want to go we want to do something else with our day not go there to explain how we feel and, and so we might not want to do that or um, I think one of the reasons we we maybe don't explain how we're feeling is because we don't know how we feel. Maybe we just don't know. Maybe we've never stopped long enough to actually think, how do I feel? What is going on? Why am I behaving like I'm behaving? Why am I lashing out like I'm lashing out? Or why am I... What? Maybe we don't know how we feel. And... Um, What we want to talk about for the next few weeks is, and this coincides with, um, I was actually, I didn't realize this, I was told this morning that next week is um, Mental Health Awareness Week in the UK. And uh, what we want to talk about is not necessarily mental health as such, although that will come into it. We want to talk about this whole concept of our emotions. How are we feeling? How are we feeling? And I just want to show us from the Bible today, through the life of Jesus, that it's okay to be in touch with our emotions. It's okay to be in tune with how we feel. Um, And I wonder if we don't know how we feel enough because maybe we reject this part of our humanity. Our emotions, I don't know if you know this, but our emotions are a huge part of our humanity. And it says this in the book, in the story of God, in the Bible, which is the book that we Uh, We love and we treasure. It says in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 127, in the story of God, the verse come on the screen, it says this. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female. He created them and God created us as human beings. And, And there's a book that I really want to recommend. If you want to get uh, if you want to grow in your knowledge of kind of emotional health and uh, talking about our emotions, there's a, there's a book that I read. I think it will come up on the next slide. Uh, this book recommendation. This book changed. Uh, no, no word of a lie. This book changed my life and Kate's life. We read it in 2013. So, uh, what's how many? My maths is rubbish. A few years ago, um, and it changed our lives. Uh, and it's called Emotionally Healthy church and there are different variants by a man called Pete Scazzaro. And I would fully recommend you um, you get that book. It's super cheap on Kindle or Amazon or something like that. I was going to give some books away today. And I was going to give some free books away. And we all like freebies, don't we? Yeah. But number one, I haven't got any money, so I can't afford it. And number two, I found in life that if someone gives me a free book, it goes on the shelf and I'll commit to reading it the day after tomorrow. Whereas, if I actually invest and buy a book myself with my own hard-earned cash, I tend to think I'm going to read that book because I've spent it, so I'm my money on it, so I might as well. But well worth, like the cost of two coffees in Costa, not like from the van down the road, but a couple of couple of coffees. That book, seven or eight quid, maybe something like that. Emotionally healthy church. Um, Anyway, he says this. That the author Pete Gazzero says that as human beings, there are five parts to our humanity. Five parts to our humanity. So uh, we are physical beings. Everybody, do this. You did it. You, you're a physical being. We're a physical being. We're, we're physical, and we understand that one. And uh, we are spiritual beings. So the spiritual, what's going on in our relationship with, for us, in with God through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are also emotional beings. So how do we feel? How do we, and we're going to talk a little bit about that as we go on. We're also intellectual beings, some of us. Sorry, I couldn't resist that one. I couldn't resist that one. I'm sorry. I was just waiting to see if you were listening. And you all were. So we've all mastered that one. We're all super intelligent, super clever. And we're all intellectual beings and we like to develop our mind and we've got the ability to do that as well. And we're social beings. So social beings is how we connect, how we make friends, how we do life. Isn't it amazing that God created us as human beings with all of these different aspects to our humanity, our physical our spiritual, our emotional, our intellectual, and our social. And, and, and to be honest with you, what I think happens as Christians, we can fall into the trap where we, we prioritize the spiritual aspect of our being and neglect some of the other side of our beings because we think that, well, that's spiritual. Surely if what God wants me to do is, my body's important, but it's not that important. What God really wants me to do is have a quiet time and really seek him and really pray. I'm really fast and do the spiritual things and help the poor and turn up to church and, and read my Bible because that's really important. So what we can do if we're not careful is we can neglect those other areas of our lives because we think the spiritual is really important. The spiritual is really important, but it's not more important. They're all important together. And so what we can do is, what I want to talk about is how do we Grow this emotional and and take care of this emotional aspect in our lives. We can overemphasize the spiritual and then neglect some of those other areas. We can neglect the importance of making good friends, the social being. We can neglect the mind because maybe we're worried that if we grow too much knowledge, then it's going to we're going to start questioning our faith. And we need to avoid the dangers of psychology. No, 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 we don't. We need to pursue those things. Maybe we need to avoid the physical aspect because we don't want to worship our bodies. No, we, God's given us a body, I believe, to look after. And sometimes that's harder than others. I appreciate that. But we're, we're human beings with these aspects of our lives. There's a quote um, in, in a book uh, by uh, a book called The Cry of the Soul which I've not read the whole book, so I didn't recommend that one, but it might be a good one to buy as well, by a man called Dan Orlander. And he says this, he says, Ignoring our emotions is turning our back on reality. Listening to our emotions, so listening to how we feel, ushers us into reality. And reality is where we meet God. Emotions... The language of the soul. They are the cry that gives the heart a voice. They're the cry that gives the heart a voice. And I just want to show us from the Bible that Jesus was really in tune with the emotional aspects of his life. Really in tune with the emotional aspects of his life. There's some Bible we're going to go through. And it says this in the first one I want us to see is that Jesus shed tears. Jesus in his humanity shed tears. And it's really important that as Christians, we understand that Jesus is not just fully God. He was also fully human. So these emotions he experiences, he experiences like you and like me in his humanity It says in Luke 19.41, and the context of this, I think it was a verse we probably read a few weeks ago. It's Palm Sunday, and Jesus is approaching Jerusalem. And it says this in Luke 19.41, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. We see a demonstration of Jesus. You can imagine some of the people with him like, Jesus, stop getting so emotional. Jesus is weeping over the city, so Jesus shows emotion. There's a, another time where Jesus is filled with joy. See, joy is a great emotion that we express. And Jesus is sending out the 72 to go on mission. It says in Luke ten twenty-one. at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. So Jesus, again, there's an emotion there. He is full of joy. There's another one I want to show us in the Garden of Gethsemane. Again, going slightly back to the Easter story, Jesus experiences the emotion of sorrow and just a troubled heart. Anguish that is so bad that he sweat blood. It says this in Matthew 26, 37 to 38. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. See, when we feel sorrow and we feel trouble, we can take comfort in the fact that Jesus, in his humanity, he knows what it is to be sorrowful and troubled. And yet he didn't shy away from this. He embraced these emotions. It says he was sorrowful. Trouble that then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. You see, Jesus then is not even afraid to just experience it in community, he's saying exactly how he feels. It would have been easy for Jesus at that point to say, I'm fine. This <laughs> Peter and the two sons of James and John, they're with him. Jesus, what's going on? Now I'm fine. Jesus, what's going on? Now I'm doing good. Don't worry, boys, I've got this all under control. But Jesus, you don't know, he says, my soul, he says, listen, boys, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. I don't know about you, that sounds like a lot of sorrow to the point of death. He's overwhelmed with it. We can skip over the emotion because we want to get to the theology and the victory, but Jesus doesn't skip over the emotion and the feelings. He hangs in the moment. And in that moment, he says, Boys, this is how I'm feeling. I'm overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus got angry. How do we feel about that? Jesus got angry. It says in Mark 3 5. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath, because that was a big no-no. On the Sabbath, you don't heal. You don't do work. Even if someone like needs healing, you don't do that because it's against the law. Mind blown. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. See, in their silence, they were implicit because what they meant was, don't you dare do anything that breaks the law, Jesus. Even if it means this man is healed, don't do it. He looked round at them in anger. He looked round at them in anger and deeply distressed. At their stubborn hearts. Jesus is like, I'm gonna show them in my anger. I'll show them a flipping miracle on the Sabbath as well. Watch this. He didn't quite say that, but that's me fleshing it out a bit. He says, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out. And began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. You see, Jesus turns up, does a miracle. and The religious people want to say, that's wrong. That shouldn't have happened. Let's kill him. It doesn't fit in with our context for life. And Jesus is like, no. I got. A- I-. He's angry in that moment. He's deeply distressed. So next time you get angry, turn it into a miracle. Turn that anger into a prayer. Turn that anger into something beautiful by the help of the Holy Spirit. Jesus shows compassion. There's a widow and her son needs a miracle. But before we jump to the miracle, it says this in Luke 7, uh, verse 11. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. Like, let's just, before we just skip through the word of God, let's just pause right there for a moment. Because there is a dead person being carried out, the only son of a mom. And she's a widow. You see, we can skip through that and probably miss the compassion. But if we put ourselves in it, it's heartbreaking. It's brutal. Life doesn't seem fair. Verse 13 says, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. You see, we see Jesus. He's totally, completely in touch with his emotional side. Before we get to the miracle, before we get to the spiritual, before we get to the physical, there's Jesus. Jesus. Really emotional. His heart is going out to her. Jesus also showed astonishment and wonder. Can you believe Jesus still got surprised? There's a centurion, again in Luke chapter seven. And this Roman centurion says to Jesus, Say the word, and my servant will be healed. And this is what it says when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd, following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith, even in Israel. Jesus is astonished at the faith. Again, we, we, we see the story. We see the outcome. We see the healing. We see the physical. Let's not skip the emotional aspect of Jesus. Like, wow, surprised, astonished. And Jesus felt loneliness and isolation. Jesus knows what it's like to feel loneliness and isolation. On the cross, Matthew 27, 46, about three in the afternoon, Jesus cries out in a loud voice. I'll try my best. Eli, Eli, lemma, sabachthani. Which means, my God, my God, Why have you forsaken me? Why have you forgotten me? Why am I all alone? Why am I abandoned? Why am I hanging here and everyone has left me? See, before we get to the resurrection, let's not skip the emotional Jesus who was there in that moment. He's like, I feel forgotten. I feel abandoned. I feel lost. Because Jesus was emotional, I believe we can trust him with our emotions. I wanted to show you from the Bible that because being emotional is really vulnerable. It's probably the most vulnerable aspect of our humanity, out of our physical, intellectual, social, spiritual. Emotional is the, it's the really vulnerable one because we've got to share our emotions in a safe place, yeah? We can't just share our emotions with everybody all the time, say what we want, when we want, where we want. That's what children do. And God's not calling us to be children in that sense. He's calling us to be spiritually mature, emotionally mature. and The road to that is just being aware that we, first of all, have emotions. Secondly, it's okay to find out what those emotions are. And thirdly, to give those emotions to God and to work them through in a safe place, and in community. And so, because Jesus was emotional, I want to encourage us as we just explore how are we feeling over the next few weeks, just to begin to ask God to help us. I appreciate for some people, this is like, you're not looking forward to this, because it means you might have to start digging some stuff up and I don't believe that's the heart of it. And I don't even believe God wants you to dig things up. What he wants us to do is root things out and come to a place of freedom in him. But as we just commit to this, let's just ask God. Let's ask ourselves, how are we feeling? And then with those feelings, like I've said, we can do something with them. We can share them in a safe place, share them with a friend, a spouse, a partner, a small connect group. But I also just want to encourage you to at times share those emotions with God. Let me ask you a quick question as I wrap up. When was the last time you were brutally honest with God? Like brutally honest. I discovered some time ago that most of the praying that I'd ever prayed, most of the prayers I'd ever prayed, most of my spiritual journey, my life with God, was telling God what I thought God wanted to hear. So my prayers would sound, sometimes they sound brilliant. My prayers would sound really holy. My prayers would be like prayers that if any of you guys heard them, you'd be like, wow, what a pastor. You'd be like, wow, husband, what a dad. I want to be like him. And then I realized I was kind of hitting a wall in my spiritual life because I wasn't being honest with God about how I really felt. So I changed my prayers and began to talk to God and tell him what I really felt. And if you'd have heard those prayers, you'd have had me out that door and got a new pastor in who's way holier than me. Because some of those prayers were raw, they were real, they were honest, but they sounded like some of the prayers in the Bible. For example, in Psalm chapter 10, verse 1, when the psalmist said, Lord, why are you standing far off? Why are you hiding yourself from me? It doesn't sound like a very spiritual prayer, but it's in the Bible. It's the psalmist saying, God, I just feel forgotten. I don't feel like you're anywhere near. And so as we bring our emotions into our spiritual life, our emotions into our prayers, we can start to pray prayers like, God, why do I hate myself today? God, why is that person just ghosted me. God, why am I really anxious about the things I've got to face today? I don't want to do it. How the flip are you going to help me through this one? But I noticed as I started to be really honest with God, express my emotions with God, even dare I say, God, I really don't want to pray today. Because I feel like you're nowhere. I feel like you're silent. I feel like you're not listening. I feel like every time I pray, nothing gets done. But I'm praying. I'm communicating with God. Bringing our emotion, just like Jesus brought his emotion into his spiritual life. Into his Christian life. So we're going to explore together what it means to ask that question. How are we feeling? So we can ask ourselves, tell God exactly how you feel. And uh, by the book, Emotionally Healthy Church is brilliant. It'll change your life. (laughs) Is that okay? I wonder if we'll just stand together and we're going to worship God.